Good morning, church. Hey, Pastor Chase and Vince, they did a cool thing the other day. I told you Wednesday night. So they went out when the high school got out and gave out Mountain Dews and Rice Krispie Treats. That's awesome. So if you want to give to that, Pastor Chase would absolutely love to fund that. Maybe they could upgrade to Diet Coke or something. But uh, anyways, if you want to give to an outreach, that's what he's doing. So uh, hundreds of kids walk by here, and so he's out there handing stuff out. Uh, that's really kind of what the gospel is, amen? amen. Planting, planting seeds. So, so thankful you're here today. If you're here for the first time or uh, just visiting, thank you for being here with us. If you've been here for 25 years, thanks for hanging in there, putting up with me. I'm not leaving um, that I know of, and so um, I, that I know of. <laughs> Jeez, I, I, I have no idea. We're in a good spot. We got approved for our building permit. Yeah, about time. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's expensive, but we're going we're gonna to get it, and we're going to start building. If you didn't know, we have a new facility we're building out there. It's going to have a coffee shop. It's going to have a real foyer, not yeah. a cattle chute. Yeah. It's a place to hang out, drink coffee. It's got fire pits. It's got all kinds of cool stuff um, that, that we're expecting, uh, hopefully by next Christmas. And that is the, the third year I've said that. Hopefully by this coming Christmas, uh, not this coming, but, but the 2023, uh, if we get it in by this Christmas, it'd be a complete miracle from God. It would probably be like a tornado from somebody else's church building set down here, but it could happen. Have you ever had something happen in your life that you just didn't see? Like, didn't expect. Um, I told the story first service. Something happened Friday morning here at the church facility that I've never had happen in all the years. And I forgot to tell them the end of the story. So let me tell you because we have a little more time in second service. So uh, Friday is my day off. It's our staff day off. And, but I needed to come in here and get a couple things done. So I got a couple things. And, and I go out. And right outside this door, there's a shed. Um, that's, it's a, our games in it. We have some camping gear and stuff in there. Kind of just a little storage shed. And, uh, and so I go out. And I open up the door. And there's a dude sleeping on the floor. Like, I walk in, and there's a guy. He's like, don't let me scare you. I'm like, I'm not scared. What are you doing? Like, I didn't jump. I didn't do it. I was like, he's like, I'm sleeping. I was like, oh, yeah, I could get that. Um, and so, <laughs> I mean, you're in my shed, bro. I was like, I've never had that happen here. Um, his name was Jeremy, so I met a new friend, a homeless guy. And, uh, and so, um, he's just like, could I, could I just sleep for a little longer? I was like, yeah, you're fine. Um, and so, I go about, and, and then I noticed that, that he tried to get into my office. And I was like, okay, bro, you're, you know. And so he actually told me he tried to get in uh, to the office as well. <laughs> I'm like, okay, this is a little crazy. And so then I look on the security footage, and 2 a.m., there was a police car out here parked by my office. And I was like, okay, dude, is this guy running from the cops? And I don't know. So I called him. I said, hey, here's the situation. Like, yeah, we want to talk to him. And so um, anyways, they came and knocked on the door. And and uh, he even found a new pair of socks that was a part of a game that he had on. And uh, he was like, yeah, my feet stunk really bad. I was like, do you keep the socks? You're, you're good. Um, and so anyway, I gave him some food. And, and the you know, police didn't know who he was, no ID on him. And, and they think he was kind of lying about his name because uh, there's no record or no thing uh, on him. And I'm like, I, but I'm not going to press charge. I said, he didn't do anything wrong. He was just sleeping, you know. Uh, not that I want him to do that every night. Um, but anyhow, we had this conversation, and, and I gave him some food, and we gave him some money to get some food uh, for later in the day. And so the female officer says, Jeremy, is there anything I can do for you, get, get, anything I can get for you? He goes, a beautiful woman. I said, Jeremy, you need to get a job to get a beautiful woman. <laughs> so, anyhow, so I made a new friend. And uh, again, we, I wanted him to know that this church loved him. Uh, you know, not that we'd allow you to, to sleep there, but he, he was, uh, I guess I'm wandering around on the security footage. And hey, man, he opened the door and I had a sleeping bag in it. So why not? Right? Why not? But I, in my heart, 
that's really the, the kind of person that Jesus wants us to love, right? I mean, it doesn't, there's, there's a line, all right? But, but that's, that's what we're all about here at this church is, is seeing people at least have a good taste of what church can be. Um, so he did, he got here at 3 a.m. And then uh, when I, I, I <laughs> can I say this? Because you got to know I don't drink, right? So when I gave him some money to get some food, I said, uh, you can't buy Bud Light with that. I said, you can only get Coors. Um, that's what I told him. I was just joking. So I, I determined, I, should I say that or not in church? I was like, well, I said it, so I'm going to say it. I was just messing with him. Um, but anyhow, I met a new friend, and that was my, that was my open up the door and, and see something that you haven't seen before in our area. And in life, a lot of times, guys, we open up a door expecting one thing and getting something else. And in those moments, what do we do? In those moments, um, how do we react? You know, and he kept saying, don't let me scare you. Don't let me I said, I'm not scared, man. <laughs> like, what are you doing? I'm sleeping. He found a warm place, and, uh, and it was a good thing. In our lives, we will open up doors, find things unexpected. The, the question is, how do we react to those? So in our uh, next uh, Battlegrounds series, um, today's lesson, uh, again, we want to go over what we fight, where we fight, and how we fight. This has kind of been our theme. Okay, what is it we're going to fight? I'll tell you in a little bit uh, what we're talking about today. Where do we fight it? Most of the time, it's right here. It's right between our ears. It's in our head. And then what I want to do today is to say, okay, how do we fight the topic that we're going to talk about? And so I want to read you a story, first of all. This is, this is true. So uh, this last summer, Chris and I went to uh, the Oregon coast, and we traveled up, and, and we got to a place called Cape Disappointment. And it was really encouraging. Um, and, and I... I saw the sign, and I was like, how did that thing get its name? And I didn't find anything on the coast um, about how it actually got its name. So this week, I Googled it, and I thought, how did that, how did that get its name? And so here's, here's how it got its name. It says, along Washington's southwest coast, at the mouth of the Columbia River, sits a piece of land called Cape Disappointment. It's home to Washington State Park and the United States Coast Guard Base. Make your way through wooded trails and you won't be disappointed. As you find a century and a half old lighthouse and Lewis and Clark Interpretive Center, you will also find yourself staring into the Pacific Ocean from a cliffside view. The same place was an ocean viewing spot for a couple of explorers in the late 1700s. But Cape Disappointment has always been known by that name. The Chinook Indians had a different name for it. And it's... It's in Chinook Indian, so I'm not, it didn't even say what it meant, all right? Uh, probably beautiful view or something like that. Before we start, okay, if you've ever wondered what a cape is, Webster's Dictionary says it's any landform that juts out into the water. And while we're doing definitions, disappointment means sadness or displeasure caused by the non-fulfillment of one's hopes or expectations or your team losing in a playoff game, <laughs> okay? Which I have had that, all right? That was my Giants last year, right? This is the same feeling that British explorer John Mears felt in 1788, giving rise to the name. But before we talk about Mears, let's talk about Spanish explorer Bruno, Bruno de Hazeta. He was an early Spanish explorer, Bruno was, who sailed the entire west coast and thought he found a river. According to the Oregon Encyclopedia's article on Hazeta, he is said to have written in his journal, These currents and seething waters lead me to believe that the bay may actually be the mouth of some great river or a passage to another sea. Again, they didn't have aerial footage, so he was just looking from from his boat and what he saw. He never entered the river because the surf was too rough and his crew was sick. He made a note of the mouth of the river and left to continue his exploration of the west coast, and he named the area Cabo San Roque. Thirteen years later, British explorer John Mears journeyed along the west coast to explore the area for England. 
With Bruno's map in hand, he came here with high hopes of actually finding this river and claiming it for England. Mears found the mouth of the Columbia River, but he mistakenly concluded that it was just a bay after all, noting in his journal, after we rounded the hill, a large bay, as we had imagined, opened into our view. The experience left Mears disappointed, and he noted again in his journal, we can now safely assert that there is no such river, such as the San Roque exists, he said in the Spanish chart. So now he's saying, we can safely assert it's not a river. He called the bay Deception Bay, because he felt that Bruno had deceived him, and he called this landform Cape Disappointment after his own emotions. <laughs> Isn't that good? So that's how it became Cape, Disappoint Cape Disappointment. Now, uh, you might have an, an idea of what we're going to talk about today. And, and the title of today's message is uh, Dealing with Disappointment. Now, it's also called the Graveyard of the Pacific. Um, we went to the center up there, and there's, there's hundreds of shipwrecks um, at the mouth of the Columbia. And what they didn't realize when these explorers or these people tried to get up the river, it's just you have this massive river coming into a massive ocean, and there's this collision course. What creates all these sandbars that move. And so they, they try to navigate those waters, all right? And I will tell you this, that no one sets sail with the expectation of a shipwreck. No one, no one sets sail with the expectation of a shipwreck. Even Gilligan's Island taught us that, right? It was supposed to be a three-hour tour, um, and it was not. You see, sandbars were changing. Again, you got a massive river colliding with a turbulent ocean, and it sounds a little bit like marriage sometimes. I get an amen, right? First crowd reacted way more to that. Um, but marriage can be like that. You have a, a river and an ocean meeting. You have salt water and fresh water colliding together, and it creates a lot of tension at times. The question is, how do we navigate those moments? And here's what I know. We can get so focused on the shipwreck that we don't deal with what's causing it. We can get so focused on the wreck that we don't deal with what's causing it, and now shipwrecks rarely happen because the sailors had started to figure out how to navigate the waters, and more, more importantly, they now have experienced pilots take over the ship. So any, any ship that goes to the Columbia River, they have to boat out pilots who know the waters, they know when the sandbars are moving and where they're at, and they get on the ship and they will pilot it up to the Columbia and then let the, the regular pilot. Now, wouldn't it be great in a marriage if you had like a marriage pilot, like when you and your wife were just about to get into it, that you could call somebody and say, bro, I need you to take this over because I can't handle this. Right? Would that be good? That, that doesn't really happen. But here's the deal. If you keep getting into shipwrecks, quit blaming the ship. <laughs> Pretty soon there's a common factor, right? It's not the sandbars you can see that cause the most trouble, but the ones that are just under the surface that seem to do the most damage. It's the same way with our lives and our emotions, all right? And James, Jesus' brother, writes down, um, in, in, in the book of James, and we're going to talk about that. And this is actually the first verse that we used um, when we started this series, and I want to go to it again. So dealing with disappointment. So here's a question before we start. How many of you just enjoy disappointment? Just lift your hand up. Yeah, none first service. You enjoy, dis you enjoy disappointment. Uh, yeah, all right, uh, good. I hope you hate my message today, um, and you leave disappointed. No, most of us, if not all of us, we don't like being disappointed. We get disappointed, but we don't enjoy the feeling of disappointment. And we all deal with this on a day-to-day -day basis, probably hourly basis. And if you drive anywhere in this valley anymore, there's a lot of disappointment, okay? Probably every day we're disappointed by someone, someone or something. And too often we focus on what we feel, but not really why we feel it. 
What I hope to do today is give us some tools on how to navigate these waters so we don't sink, all right? So James chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. Um, the, the scripture up there is a little bit different from mine because uh, my particular NIV, uh, we can't get it online. I don't know if you have to buy it or whatnot. But I'm going to read you uh, my version. Same thing, my version. It says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but you don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want, and you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you do ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. I think James is a little ticked off right now when he's writing this letter. He's like, you guys are right. But I want to focus on the first part of it. What causes fights? Again, oftentimes we focus on the fight and not as what is actually causing it. Case in point. Or, or, or like it says, what causes fights? You didn't get what you wanted, okay? I wanted smooth sailing. I wanted smooth sailing. I, I, wanted, a, I wanted a marriage that has no friction. <laughs> oh, I want a relationship that has no tension. I want a job that doesn't have any problems. I want a church that just loves everybody all the time and, and gives me what I want. And nobody takes my chair and we sing the songs that I want to sing and the coffee that I like. Right? We can make all, any relationship about what we want and it's really not the point. Because when we focus on ourselves, it usually turns out in a mess. I want smooth sailing, but that's not really what happens. So most disappointments, if not all, come from one source, and that is unmet expectations. It's not always wrong to be disappointed, all right? I'm disappointed when my team loses or when something doesn't go right or when, you know, a bolt breaks off. If I'm working on an engine or something that should take 15 minutes, takes two hours. You ever have that happen? Yeah. Okay, just you're like, this is going to be quick. And, man, don't ever say that. <laughs> this should be quick, all right? Uh, and, and things happen like that. My son and I were helping a friend of ours with the, putting a starter in. He went to, to put it in, and, um, and he's totally capable of doing it. But he, he called me. I'm, he's like, I, there's a bolt I can't get to. And it's like a two-people bolt. I mean, it was way down in. Cause, and he just texts me, engineers. But I think he had another word before that. Um, it's a, not a bad word, just a, it's the engineers, why did they do this? And so we worked on it. And then with the new starter, we're trying to fit in, and we can't get the bolt. We're reaching up. We can't get in. We're working like an hour. And, and finally, I pull it back out, and I look at it. It's the wrong starter. It's, it's like a, a eighth of an inch off, like the circle. Thing. And we're like, doggone. So we go to the store. They don't have one. We come back. I call it. Got the VIN. And he's like, oh, actually, we do have this. So we got back. So, you know, a 45-minute job was about a, half a day, you know? And it's funny how life is like that sometimes, right? When you think it's going to be fast, it's just not, right? Unmet expectations. Now, if you live in constant disappointment, you're living in the lost column, and that's no fun. And that's what I want to talk to you today is, is we are going to be disappointed, but if you're living there, you have to change some things, all right? My, here's my illustration, because you guys know I like visual illustrations. So here's a, I'm going to call this a tall ladder, because it's a six-foot ladder. If you're over six foot, this is not a tall ladder. But it's my relevant. I almost used a four-foot ladder, but because um, a four-foot ladder would make me look taller. All right. So this ladder is going to represent something. It's, it's going to represent, okay, the rungs of life. And in life, all right, we have certain things that we have expectations of. Now, let's start out with a family, all right? We have this idea, and I love using puzzles because our life is really a puzzle. Our, our life is a picture, but we only get to see like a couple pieces at a time, it seems like. The longer you live, you know, your puzzle begins to go together. And, um, and I actually have a puzzle that my, my daughter bought me. I'm going to put it together. I'm going to leave the one piece out. 
all right? And, and when I die, that's going to be like at my funeral. That's going to be the piece that gets put in. Uh, I don't know who's going to put it in or not, but, but that's, that's my plan. So we want life to look like this, okay? But oftentimes life looks like the puzzle pieces all over the floor, and we're like, okay, I know what it should look like, at least in my mind, this is what I want it to look like. And so let's say you get married and you have this idea of what you want life to look like. Now, in this picture, you have a bay, you have sailboats, you have you know, kids that are playing by the pond, you have these nice houses, you got the cows in the barn, in the lighthouse. I mean, this, there, there's no kids fighting in the street. There is no wife yelling at her husband or no husband yelling at his wife. There is no domestic violence here. There is no abuse. This picture is like this perfect picture of what life should be. And so in the ladder of life, we stick it way up here. Like the highest expectation, like this is what I want life to look like. Like th this, that's what I want. And, and when it doesn't, all right, we get disappointed. And when it doesn't turn out the way we want, we're like, well, this is what I was wanting. I mean, well, how come it's not like this? And I will tell you that this highest level basically is perfection and perfection belongs to God alone. And not us. So, so we can, so my life, I just want it to look like this. Well, what are you doing to get there? Okay. What are you doing to get there? So if you're consistently disappointed, your expectations are set too high. And I wrote this last week or the fan of the wrong team. <laughs> all right. Um, so, you know, it's just, it's kind of crazy. All right. Um, if you want to live a happy life, you have to know this. No one is going to live up to all of your expectations including God. You know that God will never leave you. God will never fail you because he can't do that. He can't fail. He can't lie. He can't not come through. He, he is everything we need. But we put God up on a place. And, and when we don't get what we think we should get because we prayed about it, we think God failed us, all right? So the fact is, is you will feel at times that even God didn't live up to your expectations, all right? But you can feel disappointed in him for not doing what you want if your expectations are too high. And that's a wrong view of God. God, God is not your genie. God is not, hey, God, I just, I'm going to rub the lamp and you're going to come up and you're going to say, what do you want? And I'm going to give you what I want. And God, you're going to give me what I want because that's what God should do. No, no we're, we're made to serve God. He is not made to serve us. Okay, that's, that's not how it is. So we have this wrong view of God. God will never fail us. God is not our vending machine. We don't get to go up, throw a 20 in the, in the offering box and punch in what we want and say, well, God, I gave 20 bucks. Uh, and God's like, that can't even give you a taco these days. Um, all right. And so you should do what I want. God is not the vending machine. He is not like that. So we have to change our view who of who God is. Let me tell you something. He is your father. He is a loving father. And there's times that he's got to discipline you as a loving father would. Salvation from hell is enough for me to wake up happy. Like, I don't need a bunch of stuff from God. He gave his son so that I could live. And I will tell you today, if you're new to church and, you're, and you're, maybe you grew up in a church that didn't ever talk about why Jesus came, okay, every single one of us were sinners. Like Gabe said, every single one of us were sinners. Every single one of us needed salvation. And our sin will send us to hell for eternity if we do not give our lives to Jesus Christ. Okay, there's going to be an opportunity at the end of this message for you to give your life to Jesus Christ. And if that just scare you, just give it to him right now. Right, Because one of these days the rapture could happen and I didn't give you an opportunity and you're going to be the preacher that CUNA needs. You're going to be like, I'm sitting in church, man. The pastor was talking about giving my life to Jesus and all of a sudden, boom, he disappeared. There was about five other people sitting around me going, what happened? All right. Because um, right? if you're not right with Jesus, if you've never given your life to him, eternity in hell is where you'll go. And I take that very seriously. The Bible says that, well, God made a way that you don't have to. And God wants you 
to spend eternity in heaven with him. He wants you to, but you have to make the decision to do that. You've got to repent of your sins, ask Jesus to be your savior, and that's what gets you into heaven. It's not being good because we can't be good enough. Aren't you glad that we can't be good enough? Aren't you glad that, that God doesn't say, you know what, if you live this top tier, okay, then you might get to heaven. Aren't you glad? No, God doesn't have a whole lot of expectations for you really before you're saved. Now, once you give your life to Jesus Christ, all right, he doesn't go, okay, now you have to live this. I love how Scott says, if you, before you were a Christian, if you were a murderer and, what did you say? Murderer and lion. Yeah, murderer or lion. Let's, let's work on not lying first, right? Or not killing people first. That's right. Um, I'm sorry, I'm messing up your sermon, Scott. Um, okay, let's, let's work on the not killing people first. We'll get to the small stuff later, all right? But we have these expectations of what life should look like, and it doesn't always happen, or what God should do for us. Let me tell you, God does not quit loving us when we don't meet his expectations, right? He gives us his word, like this is the way you're supposed to live. And when we fail, he doesn't quit loving us, right? He'll discipline us, he'll help us along, but he doesn't quit loving us, okay? For example, if you're not tithing and you're expecting financial blessings from God, you're just fooling yourself, Right? Tithing is, is absolutely works. It's 10% of our income. It absolutely works. God, I can tell you stories in my life over and over again where I gave and something happened. And I was like, wow, I don't give to get, it's not, but it, it's the principle of the matter. It'd be similar to a farmer who doesn't plant good seed, but expects a good crop. You would say you're crazy because in Idaho, when you don't plant a good crop, what grows in your field? Weeds, Weeds mostly goat heads. Okay, they're, they're my bane. All right? I hate those things. So the expectations also for yourself should be higher than your expectations of others. Let's go back to James. He says this, what, what causes fights among you? I want to focus on those two words. Number one is causes. What causes a fight? Okay. What causes a fight? Many times we get stuck looking at the fight when we should be focused on the cause. Now there's an exception. There's a few exceptions. If your house is on fire, you don't have a family meeting. Your house is burning. You're all right, kids, get in here. Who did it? Like, who was playing with magic? There's a moment to figure out how it happened later on. Right now, you got to deal with the fire, right? Your kid breaks his arm. A man's first question usually is, how'd you do that? Guys, we're terrible, aren't we? I mean, it's like, like how'd you do that? And the wife's like, ah, get him to the doctor. And we're like, well, yeah, but tell me how you did it first. Yeah. Kid's arm's hanging, right? Um, I shouldn't make fun. We had a couple family members break their bones this weekend. Um, <laughs> True story. At least, at least Lindsay was hunting. That's good, all right? Uh, and, and so we, we don't look at the cause when the thing is going up in flames. We'll figure that out later. But a lot of times we focus so much, okay, on, on the why. Why did it happen? And, and when we need to deal with the what. And a lot of times we deal with the what when we should be looking at the why. Like, why did this take place, okay? Another example, if your spouse is really mad, all right, if they're just, like, fuming, and, and they're on, they're boiling over, all right? There's, there was these expectations that didn't get met. And so, you know, so I, I put the family down here. So, so she's mad, all right? She's like boiling over. Uh, the, the worst thing you can do is say, what's your problem? Like in our, in our life group this week, I, we, we wrote down, okay, what to say during a fight. And we, we said what not to say during a fight. So everybody got a three by five card. Two things that you don't say to your spouse in a fight, okay? And the answers were pretty funny. They were anonymous and I was reading them, but I know writing pretty good, so I know who's got a messed up marriage, uh, which we all do, right? Uh, no, we don't. And so I'm reading and it's really funny. Um, like I told you I was right. That was one of the things that you don't say to your spouse. Uh, I should have actually brought them 
All right. So here's what the focus is. If your spouse is just mad and they're boiling over, all right, let's focus on getting it from boil to simmer. All right. Instead of going, what's your problem? All right. What, what do you do in a situation where it's boiling over in real life? Like you're cooking something and it boils over. What do you do? Okay. You, you turn it down, but it's still hot, right? So what's the first thing you should do? And this is like a culinary thing. Remove it from the heat, right? First of all, you grab it. And you know what? Now, don't grab your wife. If she's boiling, don't grab. That's just, just go with the illustration, right? You, you take it off the burner, right? And then you can turn the burner down. And then you just go, okay, baby, I just need you to... Don't tell her to chill out. That's another thing uh, that you don't say to your spouse. Don't say chill out. You, you get her off the thing. And then and you go, okay, you're boiling. Let's go to simmer, Okay. Okay, tell me why you're so angry. Now, you may know, right? But maybe some of you times she just needs you to ask her to, or guys the same way. Uh, we just need to be asked, okay? What happened? I was disappointed. Where did the battle take place? It took place in our mind. And so in our families, there are times that we go through hard things. Now, why was it on boil? Because it was expectations that wasn't met. Now, they could have been right expectations. They could have been good expectations. You said you were going to fill the car up with gas, and you didn't, and I got to go somewhere. Who's ever done that? Like, you, you get into the vehicle to go somewhere because you're timing. Like, you have it all timed out, and the like, gas light is on. Yeah. Has that ever happened? Right? I take care of that now. It gets half a tank, I fill it up. That's, all our vehicles, that's just how I am. So, so what did I do? I solved the problem. Okay, what was the problem? Fuel left on empty. Hey, how did I solve it? I took responsibility to keep fuel in the vehicles. Okay, so, so we have to learn how to, to go through those things, all right? So the battle is disappointment. Where does it happen? It mostly happens in our mind, okay? You're thinking. What about assumptions, scenarios? That's how you think the conversation is going to go when you have to have a conversation with somebody. You already play it out in your mind of how it's going to go, don't you? Like most of us do that. Like I'm going to say this and then she's going to say this and he's going to say this and this happens. And you may go from a tracker and go, this is likely what's going to happen. But we overplay and we overthink all the time. I thought of a new group that some of y'all could start because the tendency is to overthink things and we could call it Overthinkers Anonymous. All right. But it wouldn't be very anonymous because usually you have to talk, right? right? So let me help you with this. Okay. When you feel overwhelmed or disappointed, stop and ask yourself this question. Now, now, look at how this is written, because it starts with a statement. I feel this way. Why? Now, when I typed this out originally, is why do I feel this way? And I thought, no, that's, that's not what we should be asking. What you're doing here is you are actually making a statement. You are giving yourself permission to feel something. I, I feel disappointed. That is a feeling. It doesn't mean I'm right. It doesn't mean I'm wrong. The fact is, is I feel this way. This is, it's, it's boiling, it's boiling over, okay? You can ask yourself, well, why is it boiling over? But the thing is, you have to face the facts first. It's boiling over. You give somebody permission to feel something, okay? It's boiling over, then you deal with the why, okay? How you feel is a fact. It's okay to state, this is how I feel. And in a good, healthy marriage, you can state that. This is how I feel. And, and I've told my wife before, babe, I, I feel this way, and I'm not even saying I'm right. I just feel this way. It's like a feeling that you're giving yourself permission to be human. And we need to learn to give other people permission to be human. Okay? Our kids are going to go through emotions. We have to give them permission to be human. How you feel is a fact. State that first. Don't deny what you feel. Okay? Feeling isn't wrong. Feeling is an emotion. 
One of the things that you can't or should not say to your spouse is, well, you shouldn't feel like that. Because then you're giving a command, okay? Then you're telling, that, and that always, I mean, it always takes it from boil to like way simmer when you tell your spouse, oh, you shouldn't feel that way. And they're like, oh, okay, well, I'll just chill out then. <laughs> When's the last time that's happened, right? It, that's not how it happens. Well, you shouldn't feel like that. And we say it with good intention, Okay, we say, well, you shouldn't feel that way. Um, now, there can be attitude with it, but if you, you shouldn't feel that way. Well, I do, because when emotions fly in the plane, it does all kinds of crazy stuff. So we have to learn how to approach, all right, the situation. So here's what Stan's advice is, and, and there's going to be times that you know me, and you're going to have to say, practice what you preach, all right, because I'm preaching to myself too, all right, because we don't always react right. Well, you shouldn't feel like that. That's the wrong thing to say. Instead, you can say, I'm sorry you feel like that. Like, what caused it? Show some empathy. Show some compassion. What caused it? And the second question is, is did I contribute to it? <laughs> like, like, did I do something that, that contributed to how you're feeling? And, and you may have to, to talk that out. And there are times that they'll be like, no, you have nothing to do with it. Um, one of the things I had to learn as a young husband, I should say younger husband, <laughs> All right, uh, because I'm still a young husband. All right, thirty years. I got thirty years, but I'm still a young husband. It's all about how you feel, right? Uh, is is telling me, well, you shouldn't feel like that, and, and realizing what I was doing, I was discounting her feelings. I was discounting her feelings, and that's a bad thing to do. All right, and, and for a guy, here's here's what we do. Okay, ladies, again, I'm not picking on anybody, right? I'm just talking about stereotypical things. Uh, when, you, when a man asks another guy, how are you doing? And he says, I'm fine. We're like, okay, cool. And we go back to do our stuff. And then we ask our wife, how are you doing? Fine. Okay, cool. And we go back. To, that is not the right response, okay? Because fine means different things to different people. So a lot of times, ladies, a man can ask you how you're doing, and you give him an answer, and he's like, okay, cool, everything's good. And he goes off to his next little thing, and you're like, he doesn't care. Like, he, he, I said I was fine. But when, when, ladies, when you say fine, you're, a lot of times, especially with tone, tone is really important. I can feel your tone right now because you're not saying anything. I can feel your tone. I got I to gotta share this because a lady gave this to me after for service. She must have liked my message, all right? Uh, she said, great sermon, thank you. She said, fine. She defined it, fine, F-I-N-E. Feelings I'm not expressing. <laughs> I just got the key to a woman's brain Amen. right here Amen. from a woman. Fine, feelings I'm not expressing. So, men, here's my advice. Good luck. Um, <laughs> good luck. Good luck, all right? Empathy goes a long way, doesn't it, though? Because each of us, when we're feeling hurt, when we know that somebody cares about our feelings, okay, that goes a ton. I mean, that goes a lot. They may not understand what we feel, but when I am having a hard day or whatever, and my wife it shows some like, compassion for how I'm feeling, okay, it helps me go from boil to simmer pretty quick. Now, I'm not really a boil over type of person. Okay? Um, I usually will get a little bit quiet. I feel this way. Okay? Why do I feel this way? Okay, again, recognize that there's symptoms, and the symptoms are not the problem. Symptoms indicate there's a problem, and God designed it this way. A lot of times, we're so focused on the symptoms that we fail to look at the problem. So if we live a life you know, that's, that's constantly disappointed because we have you know, that up there, and, and that's our expectations, I want a perfect hallmark life, 
I want a Hallmark hunk, and I want a Hallmark hunk S, because I don't know what to call her. Um, what, what, would be a, what would be a woman in Hallmark, ladies? Like that you would, oh, even you're speechless. Um, come on, give me something, right? Because I call him a Hallmark hunk. It's the guy that's, that's you know, he, he's, everything's perfect, right? Uh, he doesn't seem to have a job, but everything's perfect because he's drinking coffee in the middle of the day um, at this town. But usually he owns a construction business, and, you know, you know how, I don't even have to tell you how Hallmark stories go. They just happen. Um, I walked in on one the other day, and it's like 90 degrees out, and my wife's watching a Christmas Hallmark, um, and baseball was on. I texted my bro, Scott. I was like, Scott, he's like, could you get the game? I was like, there's a Hallmark Christmas thing on. I hit text, and then I erased the text to erase all I got, because if she finds your, if she finds that, you're, there ain't going to be no Christmas. Like, it's just, it's bad. And I was like, there's a baseball game on, so I'm like, what do I do? What do I do? And he's like, keep, keep watching Hallmark, bro. Don't go to the game. He didn't say that, but that's what he would have said because he's a good man. All right, but well, my wife is watching Hallmark Christmas. I was like, that's fine. All right, she loves Christmas. Her name is Chris. So there you go. Uh, but we have this idea of what it should be. And does anybody see a problem with that? That you put a, your expectations on the top tier? Because nobody can be that. Even the Hallmark actors, which are B actors, that's why they're in Hallmark, they're not like in the big movies, uh, even they have to go over rehearsals, they have to do takes, why? Because they can't get it right the first time. And so we have this idea that, well, this Hallmark story, that's how real life should be. And that's not, it's just a script, it's somebody, something real, because you have imperfect people living in an imperfect relationship, okay, on an imperfect world. And so we can set our expectations too high. Sometimes, okay, this might hit some of you, okay? Sometimes my hurt reveals my insecurity. Okay, Pastor Stevie talked about that last week. It was a great message, right? If we get hurt a lot, there's an insecurity that can be revealed. Like, you might think everything is fine, and somebody will make a comment, and you'll be like, well, you didn't like that? Like, okay, if you're, you're ladies or guys, because everybody likes to cook, well, just say that. Both genders like to cook. Let me, you know, you could take what I say and clip it and make me look really bad. And somebody's like, yo, look, you look bad anyway without the clip. Uh, all right. Okay. Just say you'd like to cook. And, and you could cook a meal, and there can be one little comment. Like, you know, and, you, and you're like, like a facial expression. And they'd be like, oh, do you not like that? And you're like, no, I just had gas pains. All right, that's why I made the face. Because we can try to read into things. But, but an insecurity can be touched when somebody touches the bruise of insecurity. And, and it can rise up within you, okay? If someone doesn't react to what I did for them like I think they should, or maybe they correct me, I may take it as a personal attack. And it's probably not. You ever, you ever feel that? Like somebody will say something to you and you think it's like a personal attack and they're not making a personal attack. Like my wife has cooked in 30 years. She's a really good cook. She's cooked two things that I didn't like, all right? One was this meatloaf. And she used her mom's recipe, and my mom's recipe was way better than her mom's recipe, because my mom was a phenomenal cook, too. But her, her mom had a bunch of uh, 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 brown sugar in it. And so I'm thinking it's going to taste like meat, but it, instead it tasted like brownie. Um, and it was, it, was, it was not good, and she didn't really like it either. And I was like, Man, this is, I just don't like it. Now, she could have said, you think I'm a bad cook. Now, I had to make it clear, it's the recipe, it's not you. It's the recipe. It's not the cook. It's the recipe. And the other thing she did an, an Irish, it was a uh, corned beef and cabbage. And she, I, yeah, I'm not, I never, I've never drank. And she, and it called for like a half a cup of beer. And I, I yes, in the preacher's home, I walked in and, and that whole, it hit me. I was like, oh, what's the smell? And she was like, yeah. And we didn't eat that. 
Like, we just took one for the team. We're like, no. So there's only two things that I can remember that she's made. It wasn't her. It was the recipe. All right? So some of y'all got to think about, you, you take it as a personal attack. It may not be you at all. It may just be the recipe that you used. All right? Or, how, or the tone or whatever. So we got to learn that, that sometimes my hurt reveals my insecurity. Now, if you're always wondering what others think about you, you have insecurities. If you simply don't care what others think about you, you have other issues. <laughs> All right? So there's a balance. And I wrote here, deodorant isn't for you. It's for other people. All right? It's not for you. So answering the question or, or the why question, why is this happening? I feel this way because I didn't get what I wanted or expected. Again, it goes back to James. What causes fights and quarrels among you? They come from your desires that battle within you. You want something and you don't get it. You want something and you don't get it. You see, I can treat the pain, but I can ignore the problem. I personally have had three back surgeries, okay? I, I herniated some discs. And um, if you've ever had, if anybody, y'all tell me my back hurts, I'm, I know exactly what you, I, I can sympathize with that. It's a vice grip on your sciatic nerve that, that doesn't let up, okay? And I've been there, um, I've had it fixed, and uh, pain meds can mask it a little bit, but it doesn't repair it, okay? I had to go in and the doctor had to open me up and fix the problem, okay? And then he said, hey, keep living life. So I kept my motocross bike and, and, and then <laughs> he's like, hey, you can't ride hard because I, I did it again. And then I played basketball the third time. So I've had three fixed and he's like, okay, I told you to live, but don't be crazy, all right? I still have a motocross bike, but I don't go over jumps and stuff. I'm, I'm easy on that. But, but a herniated disc, all right? The symptom was pain, but the pain wasn't the problem. The pain was telling me there's a problem. The pain was telling me there was a problem. What, what causes fights, okay? They come from desires that, that are within us. We want, we want something. We want something. We want perfection, but we don't get it. Why? Because we have what life should look like on the highest one. When we need to bump it down a notch and say, okay, this is, this is ideal, right? But, but how can I get it to the next rung? What can I do to, to get here? What can I do to get here? Sometimes that simply is just a good cup of coffee, all right, to get you to the next level, Amen. all right? Amen. That's an anointed cup right there, I'll tell you. I mean, anytime you drink coffee, that pray for me, all right? So my morning, when I get up, because you gotta do the right things, okay, I, have this, I have this little thing that I do. I get out of bed, I brush my teeth, I go in, I pet the dog, um, with this little tiny dog, and I pet her head if she's there, um, and then I, I to kick the fire on now that it's a little bit chillier. All right, we have a pellet stove. And then I go and I hit the coffee because I have it pre-made for the night. It's all ground, it's ready to go. So I hit the button and then I get my Bible and I keep put it and I get my coffee and I, and I, and I drink my coffee and read my Bible because coffee in Jesus is heavenly. Amen. It is, uh, all right. And, and that's my routine, okay? And that's been my routine to read the word of God every day since I was in high school. Like that, that was my goal and to my knowledge, I haven't missed a day of reading the Bible since I was in high school because that was just my goal. And the more I read it, the more I realize I have a hard time living this thing. Like, like sometimes it's better off to not know what you're supposed to do than to read it every day and go, ah, I keep missing up, okay? I keep missing this. But the word of God is so important to me, okay? Fall in love with the word of God. It'll just help you. So James 4.1, what causes fights? Okay, focus on the fight. Let's look at the cause, all right? What, what, what causes it? If I do things that cause my wife to feel negatively toward me, wouldn't it be smart not to do it anymore? Like, my thing is, is the thing that drives her the craziest is my, my sense of humor, my sarcasm. She talks about my sarcasm as much as I talk about traffic on Eagle Road and now Meridian Road and now Deer Flat. Uh, but I have this sarcastic personality. 
Okay, and, and I told her one time, I said, babe, the church thinks it's funny. Yeah, I said that because you guys all laughed. See, look, you just laughed. And, and she's like, I don't. What do you do with that, right? It's like, yeah, because I guess I live here, right? So I, had to, I have to learn to tone down my sarcasm, or she has to learn to not put Stan up here and to say he's just going to be sarcastic sometimes. See, what I view as humor, she views as sarcasm. Yeah, and we had this conversation. And as we had the conversation, I went to, I Googled, what is the definition of sarcasm? And it is using humor to prove a point. And I was like, see, it's humorous. And she wasn't smiling. Um, I was like, how you doing? She said, fine. And I'm like, step away, step away. What do you do, right? She's got the grenade, the pin is pulled. What do you do, all right? So you gotta be careful. If I want my wife to not be annoyed at me, I need to try to quit doing things that annoy her, right? I gotta figure out what that is and not do it. What about people that annoy me? <laughs> Glad you asked, all right? Number one, quit driving. Or number two, just listen to a podcast and get over it, right? Traffic has increased. So my unrealistic expectations set me up for disappointment. If I expect life to be lived way up here, okay, if I expect my coffee to be up here, and I expect the food to be, uh, that's dangerous, all right. Um, here, let's do this. There's always a solution, all right. Okay, if I expect everything to be great all the time, I'm going to be disappointed. So you have to learn, and here's what I'm asking you to do. You know, maybe after today, you know, like, this is my biggest areas of disappointment. It may be that you set the expectations so high that the people that are disappointing you or situations can never achieve that. Because the lower your expectations, the lower the disappointment. Now, I'm not saying that you should have no expectations. You should have some expectations. Right? We have expectations of our spouses being faithful to us. We have expectations of our boss paying us for the work that we did. Like There is good expectations. But what I'm talking about here is, is unrealistic expectations. Sometimes you're, putting, you're expecting this out of people, and they're really just right here. And isn't it amazing that, that when we don't live up here, we want people to treat us as, hey, I'm still working through some stuff? Isn't it amazing that grace is one of those things that you love to get, but that can be hard to give? Isn't that crazy? That's how messed up we are as, as people, right? We're really, we're really messed up. Like, I want lots of grace, okay? I, I don't want to, you know, get a ticket. If I'm driving too fast, I get pulled over. I want grace. But that turkey that cut me off, I hope there's a cop up ahead. And when you drive by and you see him pull over, you're like, yeah, and he cut me off too, right? Um, <laughs> what you don't do is don't get out and, and face the, that's, that's a bad thing to do. Don't ever say, yeah, he was doing this. Um, so isn't that true, though? Like, we want the other crazy person to get a ticket, but we want grace. It's, it's, we're messed up. Like, we're all messed up. It's just the way it is. There are times that you simply have to learn to lower your expectations in certain areas. If you don't hear anything I hear, I have to say, other than salvation today, is that statement. There are times that you simply have to learn to lower your expectations. You've got to just say, okay, this is what I would want him or her to be, but this is kind of where they're at. I need to be okay with that. I need to be okay with that. They're not going to be this perfect. And I think our world has painted perfect spouses. I think our world through media and social media, social media can paint this picture of, oh, they're always, you know, in some tropical destination. They look so happy. And, and, and I've seen some of those pictures, guys. And I see, I, I know what's going on behind the scenes. And I'm like, man, they're painting a picture that's not real. They're, they are there. This is other churches, not our family. They're, they're there trying to salvage a relationship, Okay. And I've seen pictures of the people, and oh, it looks so great. And then they're divorced two months later. 
Okay, breaks my heart when that happens. So we have to learn how to put our expectations in the right place. Yes, it would be nice to have a perfect family, but that is only going to be in heaven. And you have to die to get there. So let's just say, let's just shoot for this. Let's shoot for a functioning family that gets along most of the time, but still a little bit messed up. And when still, you know, again, let me paint it this way. If you drive to town and you have these expectations that you are not going to hit a red light, you're going to be disappointed. You'd be disappointed. Anybody else like me? You're just like, you want all green? I just want all green. Okay, I want all green. But my green means somebody else is red. <laughs> Look, yeah, but it's green for me, so I don't care, right? You, you, your stop is somebody else's go. Your, your win is somebody else's loss, and your loss is somebody else's win. Does that make it hurt any less? No, because I'm human. But I have to learn how to get over it. I have to learn to say, okay, my spouse is in a certain spot. I can't expect perfection. And some of you... Some of you are, 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 you are matching your spouse to what you think somebody else is like. First service didn't get that, okay? That's special just for you, okay? You are, you are putting your spouse against a person that you may not know. You know the, the, the facade, but I'm going to tell you, they wake up with bad breath too, okay? And that's the one thing in the Hallmark things, right? They wake up and they're kissing. I'm like, that's not how it is. That's like, I... No, you, you, you turn your head, man. I mean, like, we just slept. You go rinse out, you know, and then, then we'll kiss. But that's, that's not how it works. So I think that's the best thing I said all day. Um, all right. Okay, let's land this plane. I can't drop all expectations altogether, but we do need to offer grace, okay? We need to offer grace for people, especially they've had a hard day. People, that, if you've watched kids all day long, you're emotionally wrecked. I mean, that's, you know, we have to have grace for those moments. So we're really learning how to have grace. We're learning how to lower some expectations, all right? Have some grace because when you want it, you need to be able to give it too. So here's what I'm going to call, this is the last thing I have to say in this portion. <laughs> it's probably not the last thing I'm going to say. Okay, it's, a D, it's do, okay, D-O, the word, do. Oh, it's an acronym. Do and I don't have it on the screen. I should have, but I didn't get it up there. A desired outcome. Okay, write that down. If you got a pen or write it on your phone. A do do is desired outcome. What is my desired outcome? I want my life to look a certain way. That's what I desire. Okay, and I tell you this all the time. Okay, the what? That's what I what I want it to look like. But how am I going to get there? How am I going to? And Scott, what did you add? You, do you remember what it was? It was why? Yeah, yeah. The 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 what do I want life to look like? How am I going to get there? And why do you want that? It was a great addition Scott did on that. Why do we want it that way? Okay. Again, good expectations. That, that's a why. I want life. I want family to work. But I got to learn. Sometimes you got to start right here to get up to the top. Okay. To get up to the top. All right. Did that help anybody? Because yeah. I'm done. I'm done. Amen. Except for the salvation thing. All right. Let me tell you something, guys. To get to heaven, you need to ask Jesus to be your Savior. Amen. Most people in here have, all right? Most people have made that decision to say, man, I'm all kinds of messed up, all right? I was, my, my life was so messed up. My life was still a little bit messed up, but at least I'm going to heaven messed up, right? And once I get to heaven, I think it's true. But, but God loves you so much. There's a God that's not mad at you. He, he wasn't looking at your performance. God did not look at you and go, you know what? This, I had expectations of perfection in their life, and they didn't even meet it, okay? Matter of fact, they're, they're right here. So they're going to have to do a whole lot to get here, so I'll even pay attention. That's not how God looks at you. God looks at you on the floor and says, you know what? I have a son who was perfect, and I gave his life so that you, imperfect, could get to heaven and stay with me forever. Amen. That's what God did for every single one of us, because none of us could be at that top spot. And I love it that way because I don't have to earn my way to heaven. 
All I have to do is ask Jesus to forgive me, okay? How many satisfied customers do we have? Just raise your hands. You gave your life to Jesus, all right? Uh, so if you bow your heads with me just for a moment, here's how we do it here. The question is this, okay? There's a God that loves you more than anything. Without Jesus, we pay for our own sins and hell for eternity, and that's not what God wants. That's not his plan. All you have to do today is repent of your sins. Say, Jesus, I've sinned, and I need you to be my Savior. Okay, does anybody need to make that decision? It's a simple prayer. You're just saying, God, I can't do this on my own. I want to spend eternity in heaven with you, and I understand that I have to ask you to forgive me. If you need to make that decision, okay, I'm not going to point you out or embarrass you, but if that, I want to know who you are, if you could just lift your hand up so I can see it. Does anybody need to make that decision? Okay, I see your hand. Anybody else? And you can put it down. Okay, and if you're online, you can pray the prayer as well. And church family, we pray this with the person that raised their hand. Let's just pray it together out loud. Dear Jesus, I believe you died for me. I ask that you have forgiven me of my sins. Come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. You just got your name in the book of life. Amen. That's awesome. That's awesome.